what since the second half really how much they've really struggled charged with finding some stability from this scrum and he can't find it that's a mighty shot a mighty Mark Lester the scrum battle resumes now and a big shot from Brazil oh that's sensational best parts about developing people like these kids that I coached at school that ended up a club that are now coaching their kids and you've got a relationship with them where you talk to them and you're good mates with them and I guess that's rugby that's that's the the thing that gives me the most joy as a coach where I can bump into people that I've coached before and see that they're doing well and they're inv still involved in rugby and you know Welcome back to the next episode of The Journey of a Grassroots Rugby Coach. And this is episode 50. To be fair, I never thought we'd get this far, but we have, and I still have more to come. And today, our special guest is Michael McGriplis, or affectionately known as Grips. If you're involved in coaching in Australia, you would have either received an email, a phone call, uh, been on a course that he's run. Uh, he's the head of coach education for Rugby Australia, and has been involved in coaching uh, kids and senior players and coach education for a very long time. Um, during the chat, we spoke about how do we use games to improve rugby IQ in the community game? Also, how do we develop our people around us, players, other coaches, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we also spoke about when you get those kids that turn up that might not have any idea on how to play rugby, we can turn them into good people uh, as well as rugby players. So that should be our goal as a coach. Um, we also talked about what language to use when coaching um, and, and the words that we use and how we use that to also provide clarity to our players. We also briefly spoke about how do we use our injured players at training? Are we using them enough? Are we using them in the right way? This was a great chat. And if anyone knows Grips, you know, he can talk about this stuff for ages. He also spoke about the uh, restructure that's going to happen with coach education in Australia. So if you're coaching in Australia at the moment, um, there's a really good part in here around how that's going to look uh, at the end of 2024, 2025. As always, leave us a thumbs up, leave us a review, pass this on to anyone that you think will benefit from it. Um, but most of all, sit back and enjoy this chat with Michael McGriplis. This episode of The Journey of a Grassroots Rugby Coach is brought to you by Bull and Bear Crew. Bull and Bear Crew is a range of men's skincare products. There is face moisturizers, face mist, body wash, beard wash, shave oil, and moisturizer. They come in a 100ml pack, aluminium bottles, so they're safe for traveling. You can use them check-in your baggage. Uh, they also come in larger at-home bottles. All bottles are refillable, reusable, and recyclable. You can buy refill pouches to refill bottles you have at home if you don't want to purchase bottles from Bull and Bear Crew. Um, they've just been released. A great product, um, all natural, uh, all vegan, tested on men, not on animals, um, all that good stuff. Recyclable, reusable, and refillable. So you can use them over and over and over again. Go to their website, check them out, www.bullandbearcrew.com. Uh, place your order. At the moment, they're only shipping within Australia. 
Um, but keep your ears and your eyes out to the website. Uh, they may be able to extend the shipping at some point in the future. Um, please enjoy this episode. Good. All right, mate. Um, so let's make a start. Um, so welcome, Grips. Um, just for the people that might not know who you are, who are you? Um, whereabouts are you located? And what's your involvement with the grassroots game? Okay, so Michael McGriplis, um, Head of Community Coaching for Rugby Australia, and I'm on one in Ginny Land, up here on the central coast of New South Wales, at a little beach called Copacabana. Um, yeah, and Grassroots, my club's just over the hill, which is Avoca Beach, which is good because we're blue, green and gold, and I grew up uh, on in South Sydney, so basically South Sydney Rabbitohs and a Randwick rugby person. So Myrtle Green's in my blood. Oh, the green is in it, mate. Absolutely. They're doing all right too, the, the week. Yeah. Halsey's got uh got the grand final this week against uh Zachy Beer. Yeah. North. So it'll be, be a good one. Should be two a two really good two really good fellas. Yeah, no, it's good. Um, yeah, so I've I've known you for a couple of years um through that coach ed role. Um most of our listeners that are local to Australia will know you or I've spoken to you or got an email from you at some point um, around qualifications or courses that are coming up. So, um, yeah, so like I said, mate, we'll just go where it takes us and and we'll just go from there. Um, but what got you into coaching in the first place, mate? Uh, I guess it was started with school. I went to Randwick Boys High in the 80s, 70s and 80s. Ramwick Boys High back then was, and really CHS, they talk about school rugby. Um, state school rugby in New South Wales was really big back when I grew up. So I I was in what was called Phillips Zone. Phillips Zone was one of the strongest zones in New South Wales for state school sport. So I went to a really good rugby school, played rugby since year seven, um, and had some really good teachers. And year 11, I got, um, glandular fever so I couldn't play and my history teacher a guy called Ross Day basically said come down and help me with the 14s so you know as a senior player as a senior student went down there just helped them didn't know what I was doing but you know just doing what I was doing what I how I was being coached and yeah finished off school went to uni and then got a teaching job at uh, at a public school out in Western Sydney and did a, a lot of different sports. Rugby was one of them and then got a job at uh, Christian Brothers at Chatswood and they were a rugby school and then started with the 13Bs and, you know, um, 16As for a few years and then second 15 before I left and moved up the coast. And then a few, you know, coaching ISA, Independent Schools Association, some rep coaching in there and then moved up the coast, joined Avoca Rugby as a as a coach, coached some reps up here and coached at school and Triple C, which is our combined Catholic colleges. Yeah. So I was doing that and then country and a few other things until I landed a job with New South Wales Rugby. So, yeah. Nice. Now that's a pretty uh, extensive apprenticeship so to speak um yeah talk about apprenticeship like you look back on it and you go jesus did i do that you know like 
Yeah. I think every coach that listens to this, if you think back to what you did initially, you just cringe. Yeah. And you and just go, oh, geez, I was a shit coach. And and the point you made was, mate, I didn't know what I was doing. I just coached the way I was coached. Yep, guilty. And yeah. you look back and you go, mate, if I coached the way I did back then, I'd probably punch, I'd probably punch myself in the face. Yeah, well, I think nowadays the players would. Yeah. Oh, mate, they, they, wouldn't, turn, they wouldn't turn up for the second week. No. Nah. nah, so, and that, yeah, that's that's a good, and that's good for the young coaches to to hear from experienced coaches that, yeah, we're all pretty crap when we start out and we coached, we coached the way we were coached because we don't know any different at, at, at that first sort of couple of years. So, um no, that's really good, mate. Um, some interesting places to coach too, some public schools, some private schools. Um, yeah, and, and growing up in New South Wales, I know how strong those um, schoolboys rugby was back back in the 80s. Um, uh, look, uh, coaching at Pius, we had this, I had the second 15. And, like, if there's any coaches that are on this podcast that I coached in that second 15, please don't take offence at this. <laughs> but... This te- that the second fifteen of Pius were called Team Spastic, because <laughs> basically they never won a game, and they just kids that we had to throw together to play some footy, and I I had the record when I left there with two wins in a season, like you got used to losing, but mate, it was just you you think about the kids coming in, no idea, you're helping them and. The thing is that they end up being really good people and that's, you know, and and that's the thing and they enjoyed themselves and really we knew we weren't going to win a lot of games, but uh, to win two, I still clutched onto that record while I was there. That I was one of the few second 15 uh, coaches to win two games in a season. Yeah. Mate, and I think, I think that's even now – you get some teams where you've got that second, whether it's second grade, third grade, fourth grade, you know, at the senior level um, or yeah, at school level, second 15, third 15, where you just get kids that turn up or guys that turn up because they would just want to, you know, at the senior level, they want to turn up and play footy and get on the beers with their mates. And, yeah, it's sometimes it's difficult to keep them enthused and develop them how they should be. Um which we'll get to shortly, hopefully. Um, so throughout that long and illustrious journey you've had as a coach, mate, um, what's what's a, some of the heartbreaks or a heartbreak that you've had that um, you can look back now and go, mate, that was probably one of, that's a really good lesson that I learned. And, and the reason I ask this to all the guests is because we've all had that shit time as a coach and a lot of times as a young coach or, you know, an inexperienced coach, we throw the toys out of the cot and we walk away and we go, that's this, that shit. I'm not up to this, blah, blah, blah. But the good coaches go, mate, I've had a similar experience, but this is what I learned from it. And this is now why I'm better at what I do. Yeah. There's a few, a few of those. Yeah, and I guess they don't stop. No. I'll, uh, I'll go back to 2002 at Evoca. Um, coaching second grade, which we called reserves back then because we were basically the reserves for first grade. And that was the, what we kind of like pinned ourselves. We went through that season undefeated and 
we got into the grand final and the first grade coach, uh, a bloke you guys might know called Mark Ella, decided to uh, drop a player to me and bring somebody up who'd come back through injury from third grade. So I ended up dropping someone who had basically played reserves for most of the year to third grade to fit this guy in. And it's probably the wrongest decision I ever made on a Thursday night as a coach. Yeah. Like, it's And such a good bloke that he just took it on the chin, went out, played third grade, sat on our bench. Um, third grade drew. We lost the grand final. First grade lost the grand final. Um, but he never came back after that. And it's like, you just think, was I was I part of that because of a really poor decision on not arguing with the first grade coach or finding some finding where to put him, you know, so to speak. Yeah. Yep. And that's always something that, that I've always reflected on. Um, I guess another one was last year's uh, Australian Rugby Shield. I was coaching the New South Wales Country Cockatoos and we got the final. Um, you know, it was a, a ping pong match between us and the ACT Griffins. They're up by three points right on the bell and we get a penalty, I guess, 20 metres in on the 22 and everybody's yelling for take the goal, take the goal. I'm behind the post with the assistant coach and basically thought, yeah, let's let's do that and didn't go back to my DNA. My DNA would have said take the scrum and have a crack. Because mm. um, where I come from, and where I say where I come from, Ramwick and Avoca, you don't draw. You you either win the match or if you have a crack and you're not good enough to win it, you're not good enough to win it. So, you know, we ended up taking the kick and missing and lost lost that game. But it's one of those things where, especially in a rep program where they don't know you well enough to know what your DNA is, yeah. that, um, you know, maybe that decision I should have gone, nah, on the walkie-talkie, tell them to take the scrum, blah, blah, blah. And I, I guess when you talk, like if you look at a disc profile, I don't know how many people know about these things, but uh, my D's not super high at the best of time. I'm a more inclusive kind of like coach, but that's when my D should have come out and I should have been very, very forceful on take the scrum, give it to the centres, see what they can do and let's go from there, have a crack. Yeah. So there's two. Um <clears throat> But then when you talk about, you know, losing premierships that are unlosable and you just think, well, shit happens. Like, you know, there's two teams out there and you, know, you talk about a Rugby World Cup that's coming up and they're already deciding who's going to be playing in the final. Whoever gets to the quarters, anything can happen. Like, you can't guarantee anything. <laughs> um, they can be best, best laid plans, but anything can happen. So I guess they're the losing... The losing ones, the best parts about developing people. Like there's kids that I coached at school that ended up a club that are now coaching their kids. And you've got a relationship with them where you talk to them and you're good mates with them. And I guess that's rugby. That's that's the, the thing that gives me the most joy as a coach where I can bump into people that I've coached before and see that they're doing well and they're inv still involved in rugby and, you know, other than probably one pest called Matty Hodgson over at the Western Force, um, they're all pretty good people. Yeah, yeah. Matty went on to do all right for himself. 
you still are pissed. <laughs> and that's that's a good point there, mate. Like a lot of the coaches I've spoken to about highlights and stuff. And yeah, some of them talk about premierships and that, but they, they said, you know, sometimes it's getting that invitation to a wedding from a player or bumping, bumping into that, that player down the street or bumping into the parent of one of the kids you've coached in a rep program and, and they know who you are and they, and that's, they're, they're those relationships that we build and, and mate, that's what keeps us doing what we're doing. Yeah, it's a club, it's a community sport, and that's the thing. It doesn't matter what, you know, I know everybody's pushing to be the next Wallaby or Wallaroo or Sevens player, but club footy is where where it comes from, and mm. it doesn't matter whether you're in a premier club or a country club or whatever, or a subbies club, it's the people around it that make it special, and that's, you know, I know that for a voker, I've been – I've been associated with for 25 years as a coach, as my kids going through and playing. My oldest son still plays there. You know, seeing kids come through as players that are now coaching and right, it's just, it's just good. It's community. You're happy to be there and watch them and see how they're going. And, you know, and that's, that's what I think footy's about. You know, yeah. it's about, those relationships, it's it's building that, and we're we're in a really, I I guess privileged place with our sport because our sport's about people and about community and about looking after each other. And I know the other sports will all say that, but I haven't seen it in action compared to the way our sport does it. Yeah, no, that's a really good point, mate. They all say they do it, but yeah, I'm I'm the same as you, mate. I've in all the states I've been involved with where there's other sports, they don't they don't get close to what we do, you know. Um even just the little rituals like the after game speeches and the, you know, the tunnel and, and all that stuff that you don't see in other sports and you just go, that's that's what it's about. So Yeah. And on that, like I was over in um South Australia last year with Nort Sam Norton Knight, who's the education guy from Brumbies. And we're there to run a course and do help help out Rusa. And they ring up and they say, Neil Tunner, who's over there as well, goes, Oh, they need they need commentator for for a game for the match of the round. Are you blokes interested? So, well, I'm not doing it by myself. Nor I said, Oh, yeah. And Tun said, Oh, well, I'll I'll be there with you. So the three of us ended up commentating this match. Nordo and I had no idea who the players were. We're just <laughs> talking shit for as probably the worst commentators in history. We go to the aftermatch function. The second grade referee was on, um, you know, how they swap referees. He was from Northern Territory. Mate, he was a good bloke. He started the boat race off. Yeah, right. And, like, when we talk about our game and community most referees get in the car and jump away. The rugby referees stand around. They're there for the speeches. Mate, this bloke started the boat race and he had a ball of a time oh. and everybody was welcoming and both teams were there and these three Muppets that ended up commentating the game as well. So, you know, like they're the little things I think make our sport a little bit more unique than some of the others. Yeah, and I think... Maybe your kids are the same as my mate. My kids grew up on the floor of a rugby club with all the other kids. And who was looking after them? I don't know. Some like 
everyone was looking after him and you know if a kid started crying someone would pick a you know who who belongs to this kid or you know like that's that's that those relationships and those things that that we do in a rugby club uh, yeah no that's that's really good mate um so when you're coaching um how do you keep your sessions enjoyable and able to especially like at club level probably more like the evokus types type stuff where you might have first grade second grade third grade on a night and you've got that third grader who can't catch a cold in the middle of winter but he's there with his mates he's a rugby person he's probably going to be the club president or the major sponsor or and then you've got the guy that's potentially on a on a rep pathway so we've got a big difference in skill levels how do you keep your sessions so that a they're enjoyable so that they both come back but we develop both guys um to their potential without jeopardizing you know the other people around them yeah it's an interesting concept when you talk about multiple grades and the way different i guess different coaches and clubs look at it and it might not even be it might even be like at a, at a country club where there's one team in town you know and yeah. you've got you know um you know and we've I've, I've coached those teams where you're the coach of the team and you've got such a variety of skill levels so yeah yeah we talk about you know I, I play a lot of games, just play a lot of games, try to build up the IQ, and then you go, okay, well, what what can they do? What can't they do? Pull them out, do a core skill with them, improve them, throw them back in the game, ask the right questions. I, I guess when I started, it was, you know, skill drill game. That's the way we all always coach. Now it's... I guess it's turning around a little bit to be game focused to develop some IQ in them, but then go back and address some of the issues and you can address the issues on a, you know, a lot of different ways. Like it can be a close skill. It can be an open skill. You can pull people aside, you know, you use injured players, things like that. But, you know, I play around with it a lot now when I'm coaching because I don't have a team. I don't have time to coach a specific team. Um, but anytime I get my hands on a team, you, you just, you're like a little kid in a candy store. You're just going, oh, I'll try this. I'll see whether that works because really, and that's to the coaches out there. You go out there with some ideas. The players don't know what's right or wrong. Only you do. And if it's, you're stuffing it up, they don't know that. So it's like, okay, let's just pivot. Let's try something else. I guess the acronym I've used is real, realistic, enjoyable, active learning. Is it realistic? Is what I'm doing realistic to the group I've got? So is it appropriate to them? I'm not going to be doing stuff that I do with a first 15 or a rep team with a, a 14s or a 12s or a 16s team. Is it enjoyable? So are they laughing or are they just like, are they hating every minute of it? Are they doing things? So no lines. So no cues, no lines. Are they active? And that's where the games come in. Are they learning something? Do mm -hmm. we ask them the right questions? Are we probing them enough to so they start thinking about not just what they're doing, but what they're doing in relation to the game that they're playing? So, you know, I always say to coaches, like, 
once those players walk over the white line, you got no hope in hell of doing anything with them because they're the ones making the decision. Doesn't matter how how much we're yelling and screaming from a sideline, makes no difference. So we've got to do that in training to get them to a point where they walk over and they can problem solve. And you know, it might be hiding some players who can't do X, Y, and Z, or it might be you know putting them alongside somebody who can to minimise the damage a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the skill as you get more experience. Um, as, yeah, do we hide that guy or do we, you know, because um, I always see, especially at the junior level, um, the kid that turns up that never plays before, they put him on the wing and you just go, okay, but what's he going to learn out there? He's going to touch the ball twice. Run him at six or seven, or you know, somewhere where he's in the in the in there. He's gonna he's gonna make mistakes. Let him make mistakes. But if he's in the if he's in that area, at least you know he's he's got guys around him that can um, help him or cover for him or whatever. You know. Yeah. Unless they don't want to go in there. And yeah. This, oh, absolutely. I've had, a, I've had a kid like that. So you know, under under fourteens, fifteens, and you go, okay, where do you want to play? I want to play on the wing, and you just go, okay. So it's a matter of just minimising damage and the people inside of them looking after them. But, you know, when they take a, a high ball that's being kicked and, you know, then you tell them the touchline's your friend. It's, yes. You use the touchline, whereas for most people, it'd be keep away from the touchline. We don't want to give it to them. But for you, yeah, that's your, that's your friend. If they knock you over the touchline, well, then they've got to go from a start of play where we're going to have a go at them. So. Yeah. It's like little things like that and giving them confidence of saying, well, you know what? You came off there and you did X, Y, and Z really, really well. Yeah. And just pump their tires up week after week. And it's like, it's, it's a slow grind, but hopefully they get it and they stay there. And, you know, as you said, you don't know, they could be the treasurer of the club or major sponsor or something like that when they, when they get older. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and, and at the end of the day, even if they're not making, you're making them a better person. Yeah, well, you hope so. Yeah, mostly we do. Mostly we do. Um, yeah, so around that, and you briefly touched on it there, that giving that feedback to players, um, and I know there's heaps of different ways um, to give the feedback to the players. Um, so what's some advice you could give to the young coaches around um, feedback to players, best time to do it and all that type of stuff. I guess the starting line there, bullies know who they are. Yeah. Nice. Know, know, know the person. Yeah. Like get to get to know them first because you can't give feedback or constructive feedback if you don't know the person because they're not going to take it real well. Yep. Um, it's just a command control kind of like scenario, which nobody really likes. It's, you know, you got to show a little bit of empathy for them and things like that. So the quicker you get to know them, um, the better you'll be. I guess that's that's number one. I guess the other one is, you know, they all players want to be told the truth. I, I worry a little bit about the current generation and their resilience to handle the truth. But if 
you've done a good job and you know your shit, like you know your technical, tactical, you know why you're having this conversation. And it's not the first time you've spoken to them about it. It's Hopefully it's something that you've questioned them on through training and that over a, a number of weeks. And then you can have that hard conversation with them. It's like, well, he, over the last three weeks, mate, we've spoken about you about, you know, getting back into the game, getting back in the line after you've done something. You know, you've been slow, mate. Again, this is the third week in a row. How come you're being slow? And, you know, you come up, oh, mate, I've been working 12-hour shifts. I'm tired, blah, blah, blah. Or if it's a young kid, they probably just don't know. Yeah. You know? But I'm just trying. And you go, well, you know, well, if it's a senior player, well, Every time we brought Ferg on, Ferg's got up, he's back in the line, he's making multiple tackles. You've missed three. You're going to have to, you're going to go back to second grade. And these are the three things I want you to work on. You know, like number one, I've given you clarity on what you could, couldn't do. I basically said what you need to improve on. And I've given you a reason why, you, why you're going back down. But given the reason why I have to bring somebody up, because they're clearly demonstrating what you're not at the moment. And if I've had those conversations in training with you and questioning on what you could be doing better and you're identifying it, well, then it's going to be easier to take than other than I haven't spoken to you for three weeks and I come up bully, you dropped. Thanks. Going back to how we were coached, mate. Yeah, kick stones. Well, what did you, I do wrong? You were shit. Know. You were shit grips. You're back to the thirds. What? Yeah, back yeah. to the third. Well, that's normal. That's, yeah. <laughs> You're too small, mate. You can't do it. Go back to second grade. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, it's a good point there you made. Like, once you know your players and you've got those relationships with them, a lot of my boys know that I don't like having those conversations with them either. So they know that it's coming from... Probably not a good place is the is the right word, but it's coming from a caring place. Like, because you know, um, some players like a big carrot and a little stick. Others like a big stick and a little carrot. Like you said, some some like the truth. Some like the truth more than others. So yeah, just just getting to know them and how they how they want to be told as well. Yeah, and that comes. Excuse me. That comes from training. So yeah. while you're training, you're asking them questions and you're picking up the cues on, okay, they, they get that, they like that. Oh, no, they didn't like that. So next time I ask a question, I might have to be a little bit more direct or indirect or ask them what the solution is and see whether they can figure out what I'm after and then maybe do it and demonstrate it. And, yeah, and that's how the learning process works with them it's like if i knew that you know 35 years ago when i started or so it's like it'd be <coughs> different ball game to what it is now like oh yeah absolutely mate yeah absolutely yeah the old days of yeah you're dropped you're shit see you later don't come back this yeah. is the way we're doing this is the way i want it well Maybe the way I want it isn't the way how we should do it. So, yeah, you know, I'm a big one on words, on language. Yeah. You probably know, you've heard this plenty of times. Yes, mate, yes. The coach that says I, I, I all the time. Well, actually it might be 
I had, I was working with a coach who used I, but he used when I pulled him up on it. He goes, "I'm I mean the team." So what well, you're saying, I? So if I I got the shits with you and you say I, mate, I'm not going to take any more notice of you. Mm. So let's paraphrase it into we, the team, this. You know, the Kiwis do it pretty well. They use team a lot. Kevin Mialamu was, I was at a uh, NZR workshop for community pre-COVID and Kevin came in to talk to all the DOs. Yeah. And mate, he used team like every third word. Yeah. Hey team, how are we team? But it's something that I took on board. So talking to players, come on team, what are we doing? What do we have to do? So you know, it's collective kind of like insurance policy for coaching, I guess. And as I start talking in I, Bully goes, I don't give a shit what you're talking about, Grips. It's like, that's your opinion, not mine. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's really good, mate, because even when, um, like, I do some stuff with, like, our lineouts and stuff, it'll be, you know, I've got this idea. What do you guys think? So it's sort of going, yes, this is what I want, but now you guys, can we make it happen? And then all of a sudden they've got that buy-in and they're taking that responsibility. And it's and, and the the boys are also at the point where they'll just go, mate, that's not going to work. Yep, cool, let's move on. Yeah. Um, but like you said, it's it's that us. What are we, how are we going to go? What are we going to do here? How do we fix that? Um yeah, and once you say that, how do we fix that? They come up with the ideas. Yeah. They become the problem solvers. So when they walk over the white line, they can problem solve for themselves. Yeah. Which is what you hope, you know, by the time, and I know there's probably coaches on here that are at the pointy end of the season. That's what you're hoping. Yeah. Your teams are out there in the grand finals or whatever. They're problem solving and you're just giving them a little bit of gold dust at halftime and, and things like that. So... Yeah, you know that's where we want to get to as coaches. Yeah, it was. It's interesting you, you talk about that because I was probably I don't know whether you call it mentoring or not. I was given the hand to one of the junior coaches. He was under sixteens, and I just said, "What? What do you want to talk about at half time?" And he went, "Oh, this, this, and this. They're not doing this." I said, "All right," and he just said to me, "How? How would you address?" I said, "Ask them what they think." And he went, "Oh," I said, "Because you know what you want. You know what you want. If they don't come up with that, then you can direct it." And after half time, I go, how'd you go? And he goes, mate, they said exactly what I wanted them to say. Like, and I went, they're 16, mate. They know what they need to do. And then a couple of weeks later, he was with us, come watch our first grade. And he said, oh, can I come into half time? And I went, yeah, of course, mate. I said, you're not going to hear much from me. And he goes, what? I said, mate, they do all the talking. And it was like, what are we seeing? Can we fix it? Where do we go now? And I think once this year, they've turned around and said, we don't know what to do next. Can you give us some advice? And I went, yep. And he just went, oh. So all this stuff, I said, don't worry about what you've got written down, mate, because you're not on the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've just got to know what what, what you believe the answers are to direct the questions, especially with the younger kids. Yeah. But as you get older, it's that keep, stop, start, which is what you just went through. Yeah. What do we keep doing? What do we have to stop doing? What do we have to start doing? Yeah, and it you know there's there's little variations on that the coaches can use, but the more you do it, the more you get comfortable um, being able to ask the questions and take them. You do get a lot of shit, 
sometimes off players and you go, hang on, hang on. Can we just park that one? Bully, what did you just say a minute ago? Yeah. And then, because that's the gold dust I just heard. So bang, I want you to reply. That's a really good point. And then you reiterate. Now they feel confident they're, they're allowed to say something and because you're validating them. And once you validate them, they go, yeah, okay. Then you can snowball that concept of, right, that's the tra tra the trail we want to go down. How are we going to fix it? This is what we're going to do. Are we all clear on our roles here? And away you go. That's how you build rugby IQ in players. Mm. Not through telling them, through posing the right questions at training and at halftime. And mate, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't because the opposition can problem solve a little bit quicker than your players. That's yeah. just the nature of the game. Yeah, exactly. And I think doing it that way too, it gives those players that might not be as confident to speak up or culturally don't speak in those settings that they're actually still gaining that IQ because they're actually thinking about what's going on as well. Um, and every now and again, they'll, they'll come out with a little bit of gold and it's just like, yeah, here we go. We're on. Yeah. yeah and that's, you know, like, if the coaches out there, you can train half time in your training when you go from one block to the next block and you have a water break, you use that to train half time. Like don't use a water break just to suck in water and talk about, oh, I'm going to Coles after this to get a, a rump steak and put on the barbie. It's okay. What did we just do? What worked? What didn't? Next time we do it, what, what are we going to do different? And all of a sudden, you're coaching them on what halftime is going to look like yeah. or your water break is going to look like. And, like, yeah, that's what we've got to get better at, of giving those cl those clarity moments to players throughout, you know, our training sessions. It's not just catch and pass a ball and giving some feedback on the, the key coaching points. It's getting them ready for a match on Saturday where they have to problem solve. Yeah, and, and what made me think about that was that a coach who I've known for a long time, he actually said to me, do you remember the last halftime talk you were involved in as a player? And I went, don't remember any of them. He goes, so why do you, why are we not wasting our time, but why are we doing what we do? Let them do the talking because they, A, they got the feel of the game. They can feel the, like the, they can feel the wind. They know the, you know, yeah, if we, if we go short side again, mate, that winger, he's, he's gone you know, or whatever that, so yeah, and I just thought, yeah, that's, that makes sense to me because I don't remember one halftime talk that I, when I was a player, what was said. No, I just remember the white cup with the staminade that I put my mouth guard in and I sat there and listened to, I don't know, and then drank the staminade and put the mouth guard in because it tasted like staminade and ran out for the second half. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, yeah. No. And, and you're right. They're the things that we can, that we should, we've really got to look at getting better at collectively in the sport around that feedback and developing that rugby IQ for players. Yeah. It's just clarity. Like people just want to be clear on what their job is and yep. how to do their job better. That's it. Like it's a simple game, catch the ball, pass the ball. And if you got the ball, run it forward. If you haven't got the ball, tackle the bloke with the ball and try and get it back. That's it. It's, yeah. We just want to con confuse it. Like, you know, it's it's using the principles of play as much as 
Justin Harrison yells it out all the time on on stand. <laughs> it's about get possession, go forward with support to develop continuity, put pressure on score points. Yeah, and you can do it both sides of the ball to get it back, and and that's it. Like, you know, my biggest bugbear, and I don't know whether it'll come up in this conversation, but where they where every commentator and every news article talks about the breakdown, you know. And you know it's a bugbear of mine. And it's like, well, what's a breakdown? Breakdown's where I ring the RVAC or, you know, the NRMA to fix my car. Our game's about a contest for possession and continuity of play. So when you have a tackle, you have a tackle contest. It's a a frigging contest. So if you say the breakdown, well, players want to stop. Well, actually, you don't. It's like... The game of touch football where the ball's dropped and they go, oh, turnover. Well, bugger that. In a game of rugby, if I drop the ball, I want to dive on it to kill it and get a scrum. If I drop the ball, you want to dive on it so you get a turnover so you can counterattack. It's like, it's the nature of the game. Like, coaches have just got to stop thinking about, you know, it's a breakdown, it's a stoppage. It's not that other game it's it's one where the ball should be in play as much and free flowing and yeah the contest happens at scrum and line out and restarts and that's their big parts of that possession kind of like equation but the majority of it is transition ball is counter attack is unstructured is structured plays less than unstructured and it's like we got to get our players used to doing that, not running against ghosts, not starter play. What starter play? Yeah, you spend 20 minutes in the backs doing starter plays against ghosts and you only run one of them on a weekend. You probably don't run any of them. Mm. You just hit it up at 12 or 13. Yeah. That's it. That was a really good training session you had. You look good against the wind. It's like, yeah. mate, does my head in. Unbelievable. Yeah. And I think that's, it can be difficult for new coaches, especially if like you are that only coach of the only team and because they think they've got to run 15 Well, run at five, seven, or, you know, like we can play overload games and still get the same, same uh, skill, skill development. And then, you know, you might, you might run width if you've got no, one to run against, you might do it for like two minutes at the end, just so they know where they need to be. But the rest of it, it's all that, you know. Um, and like for us, even now training, it's not, I don't care if they drop the ball or they knock it on. It's what they do after that. Yeah. Because, um, and I can't remember who it was. They said to me, um, they did so many drills where as soon as they got through the line, they blew the whistle. So they made a clean break, blew the whistle. And then they were wondering why, when the opposition made the clean break, the wingers weren't turning and chasing, because they weren't they weren't training that. They were just standing there waiting for the referee to blow the whistle. Yeah. Like was it, it was a junior team, and I just went, oh, "Yeah, yes, mate, I'd probably blow the whistle three times in a session." Yeah, so, but even that knock on, mate. We've all played in games where the referee doesn't see it. Yeah, play Keep on, going. play on till the whistle goes, boys. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Call a kill. We call a kill ball. So yeah, you drop a ball, it's kill ball. Whoever yeah. kills it gets possession. Doesn't matter what happened beforehand. So yeah, nice. I like I like that kill ball. 
Yeah. So, but I think too, it's like you said, you, we run these plays against ghosts or tackle bags or whatever. But if we've got, you know, that one team, one team's running attack, the other team's running defense. You know, they're running defensive alignments and all that. Stuff. So you can actually get, you know, you can run two sessions at the same time and get better bang for your buck. You just got to yeah. be a bit more organised. And you don't need that much time by yourself to run through a couple of plays. Like, yeah, you can run a block, a slider. You can do that at training so everybody knows what that is and then you give it your name. And then the backs can run out there against, you know, ones versus two, and they can just say, we're going to do a blocker with an insert on the wing on the inside. Yeah, let's do it. Bang. Let's see what they come up with to defend it. Mm. It works. It might work. It might not work. Okay, why didn't it work? Because somebody didn't chop someone's shoulder. Someone had the wrong line. Your problem solve out there. So, you know, they start picking up cues of defenders and defenders can start looking at the attack and what they're doing, like, the coaches out there never give them the same picture every start of play. Give them something different. Yeah. Move people around. Like, there's no rule. There's no rule. I'm saying a rule here, not a law. Because law, we have laws that our referee abide by. But there's no rules that have to say that you have to stand in a certain position until the ball's fed and released from the scrum or a line out. You can keep moving around as much as you want. Like, yeah. I hope there's no kids here, but I talk about mind fucking the opposition and it's just like, I just want to mind fuck. I want to give them a picture that they're not used to. And yeah, I go, hang on. What are we doing here? How do we yeah. defend this? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. If we're good enough to execute, we're good enough to execute. That's it. If we're not, we're not. Yeah. And we, we found that last year, we brought in a different, you know, just some different attack shapes that we we're trying to run and, and no one worked out what we're doing. And it was really basic, but it was something that no one had seen. It was just like, oh. And then defensively, we changed our defensive setup this year and it was like, oh. And it actually mind-fucked the players for about four weeks. But as soon as they got it, they went, well, this is actually really easy. Yeah. You know, and then 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 it progressed from there. So, um, Yeah, and that, that that's that learning of clarity. Like you get... Everything's not going to happen at once. And the only person that knows that it's buggered up is you. The yeah. players don't know that. So you can you can come back. That was so good, boys. We did really well. Give us a couple of the positives out of that session. I got this, this. Okay, what are we missing out on? Still don't know about this and why we're doing it. Okay, we'll work on it next time. And then eventually the penny's going to drop for them. The light bulb yeah. moment's going to happen. And hopefully it happens sooner rather than later. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. Um, yeah, no, that's a good point, mate. Yeah, and I think too, even in those discussions around that stuff, like you you know what you want. I've also found that actually saying to the guys, yeah, that's what it looked like in my head and what we just did then doesn't and, and that's and that's on me, like, you know. Um especially with the senior boys, I think it then empowers them to actually have the courage to go, this isn't working. Bully's already admitted that he, he fucked that last one up. Like we're just trying to do something different and it, it, it gives them that, well, the coaches have admitted that they got that bit wrong. So then they can come out and go grips. This is not going to work because we've got 
you know, we ha we haven't got this guy here or this guy that usually runs that line or whatever. And you just go, oh yeah, cool. Yeah. So again, it's just that trust and and those relationships that you build uh, around that, and then they can get that clarity on exactly what needs to be done. And the other point you said there is like you thought you say something or it worked one way and it didn't for the coaches out there. And like, I know you're going through the process at the moment. I did it in 2010 where you have to film yourself and evaluate it as part of an assignment. It's like, did I, did I really say that? Did I really do that? So, you know, I had a VCR camera back then. Like we've got, to, we've got phones now that you can just film yourself on and have someone just film you having a hard time talk, running a little drill. It's a, a really good feedback me mechanism for a coach just to see themselves and go, actually, did I say that? That wasn't in my head, but oh, it came yeah. out of my mouth. It's like, yeah. or, that's or a I, big... Or I didn't say it. I thought I'd said it and I didn't say it is the yeah. other one that you go, you're like, you said, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I said that in, in my head, but what came out of my mouth was completely different. Yeah, that's me now. I, I'd say a lot of things in my head that don't come out of my mouth. It's like totally different, to, totally conversations with other people in my head. Yeah, mate, and I can, yeah, I've just just about finished mine. Um, can totally recommend it for any of the coaches out there that want to get better. Um, I've got two GoPros that I use. Um, I don't use them at every session. Um, just, you know, every month or so, I'll just drag one out and set it up and, um, but also I find, especially around the scrum and line out stuff, I video, try and video those sessions because then the boys can go, no, my, my hips weren't down. And you go, here's, here's the video, <laughs> mate. Oh shit. I, I didn't realize that. And then like, yeah, so you can use it to give those players that instant feedback as well. And, and the boys love it. Like we send all the clips out through, you know, WhatsApp or whatever, and and the boys, the boys really get into it, and they can analyze their own form and stuff without, you know, with without spending twenty minutes after a training session, they can just look at it in their own time. And you've always got a injured player hanging around that could always yep. help, and if they're a forward or you know, videoing that, that's kind of like training for them as well because they're seeing it. Yeah. They end up start giving the feedback and like it's a, you know, allowing allowing injured players just to, uh, mate, you're fine tonight. Don't don't worry, coming down. Mate, they should be down there. They should be helping. They should be videoing. They should be, you know, in the conversations because when they get back, you want them on point. It's like that's yeah. how you build team and club cultures, you know. And that, right, that's right. a that's a really good point. And we had a chat about this with our with our club in our end of season debrief. <clears throat> All our injured players are expected to be at training because the physio's there and they do treatment and rehab. And you know, the, the physio might go, like you just said, so-and-so can't do scrum work, but he can jump in the line out or whatever you need him to do. So they're there. But then what it does is when you've got, you know, one of your starters from your first from your first grade. And the boys look up and this guy's just busting his ass at, at rehab to get back. It just builds that, yeah, this this guy actually wants to be here. Um, yeah, so that's, that's a really good point, mate. There's always something to do for the injured players. Even just fill it like, can you fill the water bottles up for me? You know, because the boys appreciate you filling the water bottles up for me. Or what, yeah. you know, whatever it is, you know. But yeah. Like that was pre-season when we turned up 
unexpectedly to watch your coach and your rehab group was there. And like the season hadn't already started and there was three yeah. or four guys yeah. doing that rehab stuff, you know, like that's, that builds a culture in a club and that's pre-season. That isn't even halfway through a season. So, yeah. you know, it's really important for the coaches out there, like especially the head coaches or those in charge of programs to, you know, set standards that, you know, that you'd meet yourself, but it's that expectation that reflects a club and then reflects at the back end of the season. So much so. Yeah. <clears throat> no, that, that's right, mate. Um, and we've we've found that the way we do it, we get so, there's more positive out of it than negative out of it. Um, you know, we've we've had guys out that have been season-ending injuries, and you know they might not come down every week, but they're down every second or third week to do some rehab. You know, because we know like Achilles and knees and stuff where they're out long term, but they've got. You know, they walk away with a sheet from the physio. This is what I need you to do in the next week. And, um, yeah, it just builds that. And then when they turn up, the boy, the, the boys that are playing actually, yeah, that guy's here. He's he's putting it in because he wants that spot. And, you know, yeah, we, you know, he wants to be part of the team. He, and they get appreciated even though they're injured. So, yeah. Awesome, mate. That's really good. Um. Here we go. Coach development. What's because I know we've got all the stuff that you guys that, that you run and now I do some stuff down here with Ferg, like your level one, level two, level three, all that stuff. Um that's education. Yeah, that's being blown up at the moment. No uh, longer, no longer lineal. But but then there's so there's the education piece and yep. then there's the development side of it. Because you see yep. guys. You know, oh, I'm a level three coach. When did you do your course? Oh, 2002. Okay, what have you done since? Oh, nothing. Or you've got a guy that's a level one coach and he's, you know, he's trying to do, he's not doing his level twos because it's not relevant to him at the moment, but he's doing all this other development stuff and just trying to be better. Um, so what's some advice or some guidelines or stuff that you do yourself around that development side? Yeah, so I'd say, number one, learn as much as you can about anything. So I'll go back and go, well, let's have a look at well, what's the education system that's going to take us to 27 and beyond. Yep. And because what we've been doing, we've been doing for the last 20 years, right? It's about certification and accreditation. And once you're accredited, you're accredited. And, but then it's up to you to go find yourself. So now it's really looking at, well, who are you coaching? Yeah. What do you need as a minimum standard as education? And then each year when you enroll to be a coach and you sign up to be a coach, there's going to be, there's going to be some stuff that you have to do to remain competent. And then there's going to be a journey that we're going to take you on as part of that coach development. So if you think about, Australian Sports Commission talks about the literacy domain. So um, physical, psychological, the cognitive and the social domains. They're the four major domains that we operate under in sport. So we're building, I guess we, we've done a template at the moment that's got around about 100 CPD different courses, modules, whatever, 
that are under those four little banners. And it's about, yeah, well, I need some technical knowledge like on line outs or on, or on kicking or on counter. And then it might be physical stuff that I need. So do I need some endurance stuff? I need some stretching. Do I need to know a little bit more about, you know, the World Rugby Activate program or is it, what am I doing in the, the social sphere? Is there some leadership stuff that I have to do? Um, is it cognitive? Is it a little bit on well-being, higher well-being, mental health? Um, there's a lot of things out there where we, I guess, at Rugby Australia is not going, we're, we're going to reinvent the world. There's plenty of people out there that are doing really good jobs and offer good courses and things like that or good podcasts like this one. And we just want to steer people in the right direction to, to learn. And then you can be the best community coach in Australia. And, you know, in the old system, that might be a level two. You don't have to be a level three because if you're not a pathway and programs lead coach, you don't need that learning, but there's going to be a shitload that we're going to try and push people towards and steer them, you know, like that's, that's the way continual learning's going. It's not dictated by Michael McGriplis telling you what to do. Bully Shaw goes on a journey and says, well, you know what? I want to be the best scrum coach in Australia. What do I have to do? What can I do? Where can I go? Who can I listen to? How do I improve? And then part of that is I get the other, the other end of it is the right support. You know, you talked about mentoring before, mentoring your 16s coach. Mate, that's valuable, valuable for the 16s coach, valuable for yourself. So I guess the goal is to have one coach developer who mentors, who could do education and things like that per 10 coaches across Australia. Like that's, that's the future. Mm -hmm. um, and in close... I guess a system that, that helps itself because it's about community, about making coaches better, about sharing. Like here's a little story. I hope no one from the cockatoos is on this, but uh, the game plan that I put together for cockatoos last year, I gave to uh, the head coach of Tasmania, who was our first game. I made sure I gave it to him about a month in advance so he could prep for it. So, you know, people said, why do you do that? Well, he knows what we're going to do. He's just got to be good enough to stop us. Yeah. And they scored three tries, you know, against us. So problem solved on the run. Don't know yeah. whether I would have given it to the the guy. By the time we got to the final, everybody knew what you're kind of doing. But, like, we had three yeah. different options. So yeah. they didn't know which one we were going to do at what time. So, but, you know, you can't just hold it like a book. What was it? Water boy. Yeah, that's the one where he goes. No, I want. I've got the book. Yeah, no, Mate, and that's what just... it used to. That used to what it was like when we started doing all this stuff. You know, like you'd walk in there and they had all this information. It was just like, no, this is mine. You can't. And you just go on. Oh, whatever. It's the same shit. It's the same shit with there's, a little bit of variety on it. There's, like, there's, there's nothing new in the last twenty years, mate. It's all the same. No, and they revert back. You find little bits of gold <laughs> from way back you put it in you mm. you play within you say well how does it suit my team you know like yeah. the only per the only people that's got a suit is your team it can't suit 
what the Wallabies are doing can't or the Wallaroos can't suit your team because they're different players, different environment. Yeah, They've got to, what you're doing's got to suit your team, and coaches have got to understand that. Like, there's things that like just absolutely shit me with rugby, and and one of those is the question: Oh, should we play a one three three one? Like, uh, what the fuck? Like. Yeah, you know, you can edit that one out. It's it just does my head in. Like, is that teaching your players why they're playing footy? Mm. Catch a ball, run a ball, pass a ball, you know? Or is it teaching them I must be here and unless I'm here, nothing good happens? Like the only reason to play structure is to break the damn wall, get through it, and play footy. Yeah. The only way you play footy is by playing different variations of games at training. So, you know, your players get to experience a whole plethora of different things that might happen in a game, you know, yeah. and then you've you've given them the tools to navigate it. Like not I want a one three three one and unless we're here, we can't do this or that. What what happens if we break the dam? The the five eight sitting in the pocket and all he has to do is flatten up, get a ball, and he's got a four a three on three on one or a three on two. Like, no, we've got to wait for those forwards to come around the corner, get in the pot of three, by which time defense has come around the corner mm. and now we're running into a brick wall again. Yeah, we, we need just two break more, the dam. We need two more rucks before we can do that. Yeah. It's like yeah. we've broken the dam, flatten up, play footy. Yeah. Like that's what they're there for. And it's interesting, and even on that, you hear, you know, coaches all say, "Oh, so what's, you know, what's your game plan? What's this and that?" And you go, "Mate, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't even seen what my players can do yet. Have I got fifteen players that are one hundred and ten kilos or above? Because we ain't playing. We're going to play a different style of footy if I've got fifteen players that weigh under a hundred kilos." You yeah, know? and that's where you look at South Africa on on these pretests that they're doing. They're they're slowly getting away from brute force. They're still using brute force, but subtlety in little offloads yeah. and things like that. So they're just bringing a little bit of change of narrative to the way they play, you know, like that might've taken a little bit of time to instill in the players, but you know, they might be dynamite because they're big bodies. You know, I've got, I got a dad crush on, on Malcolm Marks, you know, that's kind of like the player you want to be your son. I've got two backs. So should have drowned both of them at birth, but you know, like it happens. But uh, you know, like big bodies that can play footy as well. You know, a big skillful man should always be a small skillful man. You know, mm. they're definitely going to be just another big man because they're more skillful. So, yeah, no, that's that's good, mate. That's some good in. So when that's all in the pipeline, that changes it. Yeah, we've just finished. Uh, the curriculum build at yeah. the moment. So that's all done. We'll test a few of those. Now we're into learning management system updating. So we're looking at different suppliers who can meet our needs for the future. And then I reckon quarter four, 2024, after next season, then everything will be launched and activated and things like that. So, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't happen overnight. It's, yeah. Like this was three, four months process with many working groups with different people trying to build this curriculum. 
and identify and now change management and things like that. But, you know, it's the same, same thing that we tell the coaches. We don't know everything. Mm. So as a coach, you don't know everything. So you're going to have to lean on other people to help you. And then, you know, you're going to learn as you go. But I guess the bottom line is build your own style of doing things. I do things a lot differently to my predecessors in this role. Um, I work really collaboratively with the member unions. Hopefully they agree with that. Um, But it's a team effort. It goes back to team. I'm just one person looking after almost 7,000 coaches. I can't do it on my own. Yeah. And then if I go down to the member unions, there's only eight of them. So they need other people under them. You're one of them. You're a coach developer now. So, and then it's about, yeah, upskilling and building capability in the people at club level to help each other. You know, like that's what we got to do. That's what our sport's about. It's about community. It's about helping each other. And if we want to make coaching, I guess, I guess if we want, if we want coaches to do the best job, we've got to give them the the tools and the support to do that. And then if every coach walks out every Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday going, I'm going to provide the best experience for my players tonight. Mate, we're doing our jobs. That's yeah. it. You know? Yeah. That's, that's, that's coaching in a nutshell, you know, like from a rugby Australia perspective, our why is every player deserves a, the best quality coaching experience. So we've got to get to a point where all coaches can do that. Not a hundred percent sure we're doing that at the moment, but uh, hopefully by 27, we've, uh, we've got, we've got um, retention. We've got recruitment, not just the players, but the coaches um, for any female coaches that are listening to this. We need more of you, you know, like, People, people can't be what they don't see. We've got 224 female coaches coaching female athletes and they make up 40% of the coaches coaching female athletes. We've got another 200 and something coaching male athletes, right? Female, female coaches make up 6.4% of our coaching population, right? We want, we need a, a minimum of 10%, but we'd, we'd really like, you know, to be representative of the female playing population. So we got a long way to go. Um, but there's a few things in the pipeline for that for next year for mentoring and, you know, linkage to high performance and also community and and pathways for female coaches. And we've just got to do it. Like the Matildas and what FFA are doing at that level is, you know, like they've got more, female coaches because they've been in the system longer and they've got more female players, but exponentially we've got a, yeah, a, a plethora of female um, players in our system now. And that's only increasing over time. And, you know, I'd love to talk to the 2008 Sydney women's team that I coached to a national championship and get some of those girls back in the game and back coaching and things like that. Like, already know three or four of them are yeah but what's happened to the rest of them you know yeah and i think too at club level especially at some smaller clubs and i've been involved in some of those clubs where you're trying to get the right coaches for the right roles but sometimes you just got to take who turns up yeah 
you know, and that's sometimes that really tough balancing act where you've got guys in there and you're just going, oh, I don't know whether this guy's good or bad for, for the group that he's got, but he's the only person I've got. And, yeah, so, no, this would be good, mate, to get some get some of that stuff rolled out. But, yeah, it's going to be a, a long process. Um, yeah, and you get, like, there's about 10% of coaches that go, there was no one else to do it, so I had to do it. Like, didn't want to. Yeah. But that's yeah. why we've got, you know, like, on the digital coaching hub, we've got eight week session plans. So every coach from under sixes to under 18s have got the first two months of training done for them, mapped out mm. with videos, with lesson plans. Um, we've got links there to our rugby community. So, you know, anybody can go on there and go, oh, look, I'm talking to the converted here because they're already on this podcast, but you're up there. Um, Chubby's up there with his Dan Palmer. Yeah. You know, you just click on those links and it takes you to your website and how how to listen on Spotify or Apple and things like that. And we got to get people, we've got to expose people to to our community that are doing things like you're doing. Like that's they're they're the little bits of gold dust that we gotta lean on because you know, one person can't do it at Rugby Australia, eight people in the member unions can't do it, you know, like there's people doing great things around and we've just got to support them and, and push. And it goes back to lifelong learning. Like you can't be a rugby coach and not want to learn. You can't be a rugby coach and not want to be, you know, get a little bit of advice from someone who's been there before. And, you know, there's people out there that all you have to do is ask them for help and they'll help, you know? Yeah. And there's, there's not many people that I've reached out to, that haven't responded um, and the few that have said no, they've given me a pretty good, re- like I've got this and like, blah, blah, and that, and that's fine, you know, but like you said, mate, a lot of just reach out, talk, reach out to someone, reach out to your first grade coach. Yeah. You know, like it goes back to, um, you know, the media this week and there's any Kiwi cousins on here, you know, where they, few. They're, they're looking at, at Hanson and going, oh, how could he be working with the Wallabies and things like that? Eddie asked him. That's all it was. <clears throat> he had his mate ask him, can you come down, watch my session, give me some feedback? Well, when Eddie comes I don't in. Think they, I don't think anybody at NZR or New Zealand ever asked him to do that. Yeah. You know, like, when that's Eddie all it down, takes. When Eddie come down in March, that's, yeah, and then said he it. said I'd, I'd reached out to him and – He's not doing anything. So I just asked him as a mate to come and have a look. Yeah. And that's all it is. And we've got them at every club in Australia. has got someone that's coached first grade a few years ago that no one's asked, mate, would you come down and have a look at what I'm doing? Yeah. They'd be chuffed at it. They would be absolutely chuffed at it. Yeah. And it's like, it's not a big thing. It's just, I'm here to help. I just want some feedback. What do you reckon? Yeah. Mate, that was a great session. They can blow your tires up, or they can say, "Have you thought about doing it this way?" You know, like they're not there to take the first grade job off you, or the sixteen A's, or whatever. All you have to do is ask somebody, and they'll be there to help. And I, and I think as a young coach, and I I was like this myself, was like, "Oh, I'm not going to ask groups because you'll think I'm a dickhead." You know, but then the more you talk to people that have been around, they're going, "Mate, I I was you. I've I've done those dumb things. I've." you know um and 
you know, that level four stuff we're doing at the moment, like, I don't know how many guys are on that course at the moment, but we all sat around and, you know, the best learnings are after the, after the day we talk around, sitting around talking shit and talking footy. And it wasn't like, Oh, I can't tell you that. Or it was just like guys talking footy and, you know, I've got this guy that does this. Has anyone got any ideas on it? And, you know, just brainstorming and talking to people and like you said, getting ideas and yeah. Um, no, it's really good, mate. Just like you said, reach out to people because co coaches like to show how smart they are. Well, some of them, some the, of ones, them. the ones that, the ones that are a little bit uh, worried that they don't know everything are the ones that uh, know everything. Yeah. The ones that, the ones that know, know enough are the ones that are vulnerable enough to ask for help. Yeah. And mate, I, I don't know about you, but the more I learn, the more I know, I don't know. Oh yeah. <laughs> little things. And it, and it's yeah. not the big things. It's the little things that make that, that difference. Those little, we always talk about the one percenters. So what's a one percenter? One percenter is going and watching a Nick Henderson scrum, scrum session with the under twenties and going, Jesus, that was good. That was good. That was good. Yeah. I'm going to try and use that. Yeah. You know, it's listening to, to Grazy on defense. It's, going down and, and watching your local club footy and going, actually, those young kids coaching, hey, that was really good how they communicated. I might try that. You know, like, you just pick up so much. Mate, and I, I say to a lot of the guys, go and watch the under-8s coach. Watch them herd cats. Because, like, all our vibe games and our pump-up games, mate, they're straight out of under-8s. Yeah. You know, like you know, that that's all they're doing is cone games and chasing each other. And mate, the senior boys love it. It's yeah. The it's, falling down game for yeah, seniors, but it's just like that when you make them get up and down in two minutes. Yeah. But they're no, going to fall over. Yeah. No, that's a good point, mate. Watch as many. And you can also take, take away from the negative that you see as well. Like you might see something and go, Oh yeah. I'll, you know, that was really horrible. Um, how can I, you know, can I use that differently? You know, and um, I've spoken to, you know, a few people that listen and they've said to me, oh, so-and-so was on and I didn't actually agree with what they said. And I went, so what? Like, that's good. Because if we all coach the same and we all agreed, it's a boring game of footy. So what is it? Is it uh, the Sydney Symphony Orchestra or a jazz yeah. ensemble? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly right. So it's just like, mate, every and everyone's going to be different. And, you know, and they went, oh, oh, okay. Went, you know, but did you learn something? They went, yeah, I said, that's all, that's all you want to do, mate. One one thing from one coach, mate, that's all you need to do. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Pick something up, run with it, try it. If it doesn't work, figure out why it didn't work. You might have to adjust it slightly and then actually it works with this group. Yeah. It doesn't work with this group. Or, or that'll, or that'll got work, the skill to do it. Or that'll work with my first grade side, but it won't work with my under 14s. No. Yeah. yeah, exactly. No, awesome. Mate, that's really good. Uh, one last one. What advice would you give yourself in that first year of coaching, knowing what you know now? If you can remember that far back, mate. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's... <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> Yeah, for the people out there that don't know me, I'm almost pushing 60. So it's like terrible. Brain brain fade. Um, 
Yeah, don't don't coach how you were coached, unless you're unless you're a, a, a modern player that's been coached by a modern coach who's very player centered and asks a lot of questions. Um, don't tell them. Don't tell them, and then I guess don't make them run laps. <laughs> oh mate, does my head in. <laughs> oh shit, we were fit like four hundreds, eight hundreds, two hundreds. 100-metre sprints, but, like, that was probably half an hour that you could have spent on catch, pass, track, tackle, modified games, and getting the same physical outcomes out of it, you know? Just unbelievable. But you probably get worse outcomes now because, looking back, I hated doing that shit. Oh. But now, like, the sessions that we run now, it's like the boys, they actually run more, but they don't realise they're doing it. Because like you said, it's all yeah. big open field games and, you know, short breaks and, you know, looks looks more like a rugby game than what training ever used to. So Yeah. One of my favourite ones, just to throw in on those bye weeks, is where you, you play with a soccer ball. You can catch pass, play, play offside, touch with it. As soon as the ball's dropped, it's soccer. And if that ball's kicked and caught on the full as a mark, then you can play rugby again. Oh, and nice. seniors, seniors love it because like this, it's like AFL where you can just blindside people, but they just run and find space and things like that. And there's giggling and you can see them puffing after about two minutes. Yeah. It's great fun. Yeah. One, one I brought in this year with our boys in preseason is I've got two sets of coloured cards and there's and it's just touch and one one set of coloured cards is basically offside touch but there's different rules on it and your team gets one card that's got um whatever the rules are like one person can get touched and play on whatever it is and then the other team get a different set of rules and they don't know what each other's are man it took them about to figure three, it out it took them about three weeks to just go what the hell but I said, what he's got to do? Oh, we've got to stop the ball. That's all I want you to do. How are you going to yeah. stop the ball? You know? Um, and after about three weeks, it's like they really enjoyed it because, yeah, problem solving. Where's where's the actual threat? The threat's the ball. You know? If the guy keeps running, well, I've got to do something. He's still got the ball. Yeah. Shut him down. Shut him down. Yeah. Um, no, that's good. I, I mean, and that's innovation. That's being innovative with a game, changing it up bringing in problem solving, like they're, they're on the field. They've got to, they've got to change the narrative of what's happening and they've got to know how do they do it without you sitting on a sideline dealing with, you know, injuries, reserve benches. Mm. How do they do it when they're playing a game of footy? So, yeah. Yeah. you know, for the coaches out there, that's, mate, that's a good learning. That's a good little bit of gold dust. Yeah. No. Um, Mate, this has been awesome. Um, thank you very much for your time. I know you're a busy man at this time of year. Well, you're a busy man all year. You keep telling everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be down there. I'll be down there shortly. <laughs> Coming down in November? Yep. Yep. Cool. Um, all right, mate. Thank you very much. That's a mighty shot. A mighty man, Leicester. And Trevor moves off their own ball. That is monstrous! Yeah.
visit them 